Anyone with a desire to catch up on the latest scandals, conspiracy theories, or just plain juicy gossip stories needs to look no further than the checkout line at any local grocery store. And I'm not sure how this phenomenon came to be, but if you are like me, anytime you find yourself in a checkout line, there seems to be this mysterious force that draws me into glancing at the covers of these outrageous magazines. The cover stories on the National Enquirer never seem to disappoint. I can always count on Us Weekly to catch me up on the latest celebrity scandal. And while out shopping with my wife yesterday, I admitted my shame at how much I actually know about the Kardashian family. <laughs> now, I believe the popularity of many of these outrageous magazines that we find in checkout stands are reflective of the Western cultural appetite for a good old-fashioned scandal. There seems to be a strong desire to get a deeper look into what happens behind closed doors. We're not big fans of keeping things secret. We seem to have an insatiable appetite for information to be revealed. As long as we're not caught in the middle of or directly affected by scandals, we sure love to hear about all the juicy details. Now an interesting thing about scandals is how memorable they are to us. Those stories stick with us, and we seem to be compelled to tell others about them. Modern electronic communication allows for information to travel at an exponential rate. Therefore, it doesn't take long for a scandal to erupt. And scandals seem to cover nearly every facet of life, leaving no one exempt, including many representatives of the Christian faith. Political scandals are also wildly popular. Who could forget Arkansas's own Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky? Former New York Governor Elliot Spitzer, presidential candidate John Edwards, and U.S. Representative Anthony Weiner. Now, in the world of business and finance, we all watched scandals unfold around companies like Enron and WorldCom, Fannie Mae, and Freddie Mac. The scandals of Hollywood and the entertainment industry are far too many to list, but I bet that we could all name a couple of them. Even the world of sports is not immune to scandals. As, public, as stories go public surrounding illegal recruiting in college football, Major League Baseball and steroid use, Pete Rose's gambling, Tiger Woods' fall from the king of golf, and most recently Lance Armstrong's admitting to using performance-enhancing drugs. And so the media presents us with a breaking new scandal, it seems like, on a daily basis. And these stories stick with us. We remember them, and we oftentimes tell others about them. So it makes it a little easier to understand why tabloid magazines are so appealing at the checkout stand. But while we're on the topic of scandals, I want to shift focus to our gospel reading today found in the first chapter of Matthew. That's because if today's gospel reading, our, today's gospel reading is so full of scandal and so outrageous that if I didn't know any better... I would guess that it was a cover story in the National Enquirer. Because it's not too far-fetched to imagine seeing in the National Enquirer breaking news, young Middle Eastern woman pregnant with God's baby, fiancé torn over what to do next, angel visits him in a dream and confirms God's DNA test. Now that's not a cover story that I could ignore at the checkout line. And first century audiences could not just gloss over information like this either. 
So obviously there has to be more behind this story. Now from the details in our reading in Matthew, it becomes clear that scandal was about to erupt on multiple levels. The weight of the world was placed upon a young, unassuming couple of the first century. This young couple finds themselves tasked with ushering the savior of humankind onto the world stage. Naturally, they wrestled with the impossibility of the pregnancy. They struggled with what to do next. They asked questions of why. I'm sure they wondered, why them? And why now? What are people going to say? And how in the world are we going to tell people about this? I think a valuable lesson that we can learn from Mary and Joseph is that God comes to us at times when we least expect it. God comes to us in ways that we least expect. God comes to us through people that we would least expect. Mary and Joseph were somehow able to overcome their fears, silence the what-ifs, and find peace with their unanswered questions. By doing so, together, they welcomed incarnate love into the world. During this Advent season, we are given just a snapshot glimpse of this incarnate love as depicted in the manger scene. We're familiar with seeing the infant Jesus lying peacefully in a manger, gazed upon by Mary and Joseph, along with shepherds and sheep. But yet, a closer look into our reading from Matthew reveals that a scandalous story is just beginning to unfold. Our reading reveals the scandal surrounding Jesus' birth, yet it paves the way for a life that will also end in scandal on a cross. Recorded throughout scriptures from birth to his death, we find that scandal follows Jesus like a shadow. And one would think that the recorded stories of Jesus' life would be presented in a more palatable manner, without stirring up the pot. Author David Brewer feels that the scandals associated with Jesus' life may actually serve as our best guarantee of historical truth in our gospel narrative. Brewer says that scandals are the inconvenient truths which the gospels could not omit without being dismissed as nonsense fiction by their first readers. Because if there had been no scandals, the gospel writers would not have just invented them. Why create potential reasons for people to simply dismiss Jesus? And so when disgraceful or embarrassing or even shocking details about Jesus are recorded both by his friends and supporters, it becomes much harder to disbelieve them. And so we see that the gospel writers reveal that Jesus was not shy about being on the front page of first century tabloids. With a huge part of his teaching and ministry focused on confronting scandals that pervade society, it's bound to happen. And it was that type of ministry that led him to be accused of being a drunk, being accused as a charlatan faith healer, and ridiculed because of the company that he kept. His claims of divinity were considered ridiculous, and his followers had minimal education. He took part in outrageous behavior like siding with prostitutes over the elite, denouncing temple practices and misguided religious leaders. So in regard to these inconvenient truths recorded about Jesus, Brewer states that they actually provide inadvertent confirmation for Christian claims. 
The fact that Jesus was charged with blasphemy indicates that he did claim divinity. Being stigmatized as illegitimate gives at least some credence to the stories of a miraculous birth. And the fact that he spent time with prostitutes and gangsters indicates that he really did teach that anyone could have their life transformed. So I think that it's that message of incarnate love that resonates with us at the very core of our being. And I believe that in our heart of hearts, it is the hope born out of incarnate love that draws each one of us here today. It's what brings us back time and time again, and it's what binds us together as a community. It's Jesus' scandalous teaching that anyone, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done with your life, or the magnitude of circumstances that you face, all of it can be transformed, all of it can be redeemed, and all can be made whole.